Hey everybody, welcome to the Full Frame uh, Podcast. Could you just oh. uh, just uh, take, stop and take it from the top one more time? Okay, okay, you ready? Hey guys, welcome to the show. Our guest this week is Erish Roland. Now, Erish is an incredibly accomplished DC-based cinematographer with a long credit list. He's also the owner and founder of DC Camera, which is one of, if not the most well-known camera rental house in the Washington, DC area. With that, let's get to the show. Well, Erish, thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Sure. Um, I've been wanting to talk with you for actually like two years now. Um, can you kind of talk about, uh, well, you're not only the owner of DC Camera, but you're a cinematographer uh, yourself as well. Can you talk about kind of your career as a cinematographer? Yeah, um, I mean, that's where I think of myself as a cameraman first and then and then a rental shop owner um, has been more recent. Okay. Um, so, yeah, um, I've been doing this work since this work. I mean, I've been in the film business since I was 18 years old. Okay. Um, I got out of high school, and I, I had been a still photographer. It was my hobby, my passion, really all that I had going for myself. I didn't I didn't have any other interesting um, aspiration in, in, in life. I liked photography. That's what I did. Yeah. Um, my father was a cameraman. Oh, okay. And a director. And um, rather than going to college and trying to figure out what else to do with myself, and I had no other really clue, um, he said, well, why don't you come, come and do some work with me and see what that's like. Yeah. And uh, I had not been on a, on a set before. And my first job on a set was working with my dad on a um, on a little low budget movie that oh, he was cool. the DP on, and so I became you know the slate guy and the you know the guy that ran mags you know from the truck to the set or right. whatever needed to be done um, you know go for PA whatever uh, low budget movie means everybody does a little bit of everything and right. I got to do a little bit of everything and but more camera department related than anything else but I was definitely the guy that. You know, people pointed to when something needed to be done, and there wasn't sure. somebody to do it. Whether it was run for lunch, or go get a prop, or you know, rake something up, or clean, some, you know, whatever. I did a little bit of everything, and 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 I loved it. And, and that's where I first got the bug. Was literally my first job in in uh, in film, and uh, I never really looked back. I think I had one more sort of real job after that after that experience at a bicycle shop I was I was a bicycle mechanic and um, and while I was looking for film work and you know once I got enough film work to sustain myself the bike shop job went away yeah. and I never had a real job again until you know I opened up this shop which is kind of a real job but it's different it's different when you own the, when you own the place right. so so was all your was this all in the kind of Maryland DC area? Or are you yep. from? Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, no, I okay. grew up in in, in Arlington, um, not too far from here, and uh, lived there my you know entire life. My you know family lived here, and the only time I've I, I did a short stint in in uh, Los Angeles for well, I went out there on a on a job, and it was a longer job. It was like a three month job. Yeah, um, as a as an AC, this was way way back yonder when I was ACing, and um, before I started shooting, uh, before anybody would let me shoot for them, you know, you kind of got to grow up and do other things, and right. and uh, so I was an AC for a number of years, 
Um, I worked in electric and and grip for a number of years mm-hmm. and learned you know a lot and, and uh, about lighting and about AC and about working for people. And uh, so between 18 and, I don't know, maybe 22-ish is when I first started, people, you know, first started giving me chances to shoot things. Mm-hmm. And, and then I was in that transition phase for, you know, a couple, three years of, you know, having a foot in doing support work and, right. and also trying to shoot stuff. And then around about 25, 26, um, I was getting enough shooting jobs that I just stopped doing the other the other support work gotcha and uh was that kind of a conscious for you a conscious career move saying i get enough work now that i'm yes. just i'm not going to do that anymore yeah i mean everybody's got to you know cross that Threshold. moment yeah. at some point and make that choice the more you drag out the the um you know keeping one foot in, in both worlds the 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 longer it will take to you know be committed yeah sure. <laughs> it's pretty simple um and you know people don't take you seriously if you're still if they see you you know one day you're the camera assistant the next day you're the dp you're you're kind of you know you, you got to make that commitment yeah they so, don't know what to call you they don't know what to call you they don't gotcha. know how to think of you and and um you know you're acing for 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 somebody for a cameraman sure. you know and then and then the next week you're competing you know, with them for a job potentially. Yeah. I mean, it's not usually that, you know, that yeah. apparent, but uh, um, that's certainly a possibility that you could be, you know, trying to get the job from the guy that you work with last sure. year. So, so you got to make that choice. Is it scary to kind of cross that threshold? Was it scary for you? Probably. I can't remember. It's been so long, but <laughs> sure. yeah, I mean, you know, I was still very young. So yeah. um, I, um, you know, shooting was all I ever wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I was, like I said, I was the still photographer when I was a kid. Yeah. From quite young, I picked up a still camera when I was, I don't know, 11, 12, because my dad had still cameras around. He had a dark room in our house. So oh, cool. I grew up with, you know, That's film cool. and cameras. And this was, you know, long before anything digital. Right. And uh, the smell of, uh, you know, hypo in the air. Yeah. Um, you know, lofting from the laundry room. So. So I grew up with it a little bit in my blood, and so photography was was what I loved. So you know, once I stepped into fiddling around in the film business and all these support roles, I knew it was only stepping stones to do what I wanted to do, which was to shoot. That's all I ever wanted to do. I didn't want to direct. I didn't want to produce. I didn't want to edit. I didn't want to do anything right. but, but be the cameraman. So what do you think is it about that job that you find so... Uh, interesting and just you want to obsess about that in turn you know because I kind of I enjoy the whole process I think the whole process of getting a film done is fun there's aspects that I love there's aspects that it's just like it's just work but what is it about being on set being a DP making those decisions that you like so much yeah it's it I also like the process I mean making films is 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 really interesting and and um fills a lot of um things for me a lot of uh, fills a lot of holes and and it's that creative group mentality of you know everybody pitching in and and towards some goal and you don't always know what that goal is and i find that alluring as well you know it's rarely super um 
you know, unless you're on, you know, you get on the, at the bigger level of commercials or the high end movies or whatever, where they they really they got everything storyboarded and right. you know you're really following a map. But almost everything underneath, you know, the very high highest end is is a little bit more kind of trying to figure it out as you go along. And sure. I love that. Mm-hmm. I, I love that not exactly knowing where you're going, but it's we're all moving in a certain direction with a certain you know, purpose. Yeah. Um, and being, you know, the DP amongst all that, you've got a pretty, you know, important role. Yeah. Um, and so I like the responsibility. I like the challenge. I like the, you know, the, the lower budget aspect of filmmaking where you have to kind of make it up as you go along. Yeah. You know, I've done enough work at the higher end where, you know, everything is storyboarded and everybody knows exactly what they're doing and what to do. I'm much less interested in that. It's mm, okay. not as interesting. fun. Um, it's, it's interesting to hear you say that as the owner of a camera rental shop. Yeah. Well, there's a, there, yeah, there's other things about being the owner of a camera rental shop that you know might be interesting and surprise you as well. But, but certainly, you know, I think they're really different. I mean, you know, running yeah. a camera shop and 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 making a film. But, um, I was on a. This might be an answer to a different question, but I was on a different track earlier in my career where I was kind of moving towards movies and, you know, Hollywood style um, work. And, 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 I, and I thought I wanted to do that more of that kind of work, you know, as a career. And I yeah. was kind of taking necessary steps and commitments to move in that direction. And I did a good 10, 12 years of doing just about nothing but, but, but movies, one after mm. another after another. Um, and working my way through, you know, through um, camera operating um, to second unit DP, um, additional operator, steady cam, you know, working my way th- in, in the in the camera department and, and getting more and more jobs as second unit DP and getting offers for DP and 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 DPing smaller independent movies at the mm-hmm. same time, getting experience and it seemed like I was on a pretty good track to end up in you know, doing movies in Hollywood, but at some point I realized I didn't like it. Didn't like. What didn't you like about it? I didn't, I didn't like, um, kind of, a, a, a bit of what I was talking about where you you just know exactly what you're trying to do that day. Sure. It's all mapped out and you're just kind of following almost a formula to some sure. degree. Um, there's a lot, you know, there's, there's, there's places to be creative, but on a, uh, and most of that is done in advance. Yeah, you know where you plan out the look, and you plan out, you know how you're going to use cameras and lenses, and and then you're just kind of executing it for right. for, you know, too many hours a day and too many days a week and too many months. Yeah, where, you know, it's all about making your day and it's all about the politics of the set and who's who and what's what and. And um, and I got really tired of all that, mm. and I missed the, you know, make it up as you go along at this, you know, l- l- smaller production level, yeah, um, where you really are being creative on a daily basis, and and yeah, you got to make the schedule, and you got you know that's a part of it, um, but I don't know at some at some point I decided I didn't like it, and I took an, an about face, turned around, went back to my roots, which was. You know, long, longer form documentary, yeah. um, smaller shows where um, 
where I feel you know where everybody pitches in. Yeah, I love that where everybody pitches in and a good idea can come from you know wherever and they're generally not you know looked at as you know cross-eyed as like well why are you saying you know why are you saying that to me right. or why are you why are you speaking us, why are you speaking <laughs> yeah exactly and, and you know i just hate the the politics of yeah. of you know hollywood sets and they're not all like that I've, I've worked on good ones i've worked on bad ones where you know the director or the ad or the producer are just tyrants and you know you, you can't even you know li- literally i've been on sets where you're not supposed to look at you know a certain uh, person yeah. right you know don't look at the actor it's like okay you know it, it's just like out of control right silliness yeah yeah <laughs> and a lot politics. of it is like that the politics of it and and um and the creativity and the the part that i think most of us get into the film business is is lost and you yeah. kind of get sucked into credits and you know look at me i'm on a big set right and right. you know they're paying me and they're giving me per, you know wads of cash for per diem and blah 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 and you've kind of lost you lose sight yeah of what you liked about getting into this business and so i was beginning to lose sight of it and i just woke up one day and said i don't like this and turned around that's really interesting it it is what's the what is the when you're in your ultimate creative flow what type of set is that do you find yourself comfortable is it do you like being on narrative do you like being on yeah. documentary is do you have a preference yeah I, I mean being on a small uh, narrative uh, project is, is a lot of fun yeah it really is and, and I do miss that it's been a while since I've done a small uh, narrative project and it can be a blast when, yeah. when you have all of those elements in place and everybody's you know really charged up about about the project and uh, um, the goals and you know and it's like that and people can you know jump in and but it's been a while. It, yeah, it really has been a while since I did a, a you know a small narrative that I can look back at and say that you know, that was a, that was a lot of fun. Um, more recently, in that last ten years or so, it's been long form documentary. Has yeah, been, has been my thing. I, I was looking at some of your credits. It's a lot of documentary. Yeah, is that? Do you think that's? Um, and that was kind of jumping to my next question: Is we're in D.C., the D.C. area, which obviously is a lot of documentary. It's uh, and I come from working corporate nonprofit government type of stuff do you think um what's your perspective on i guess indie film in the area and do you think you're getting a lot of these documentary jobs because you're in the dc area uh some some um yeah being here and being you know having documentary credits uh that are of you know some note i mean some people look at my resume and they go oh I, i've seen that or i've right. heard of that or whatever i which, did that which helps. <laughs> i looked at it and i was like which, yeah i've seen a lot of you know these. that helps because people do come into dc a lot and and they're you know from all over the world really and they're looking and they have to do some interviews or whatever so it's right. not uncommon that people are looking for somebody in the dc area and my name will come up and, and having, you know, like I say, having a resume can certainly help land the job yeah. rather than having a bunch of things that nobody's ever heard of. So that helps. But, it, you know, rarely does that get me a, you know, a nice credit on a job. It's just mm. a day of shooting something for somebody on a bigger project. Sure, sure. Um, what what has worked for, for me over the years is you know sometimes you do let you know you do meet somebody i mean that has happened where somebody mm-hmm. came into town 
you know, years ago, actually, or early in my career, career, I, I hooked up when I was still acing and and lighting. You know, a, a cameraman came into town for for two days of work named Bob Elfstrom, who's a big time, you know. Uh, documentary cameraman and we got along very well it was uh-huh. a two day shoot and he was going on to the next city where he was going to have to you know there was like a tra- it was like a travel shoot and they were going on to I can't remember Philadelphia or somewhere and they needed to do the same thing find somebody locally who you know was going to bring some lights and help him you know light some interviews or some sets and, and you know it was like hey you know we like you why don't you come with us yeah. and, and that started a four and a half five year run where I did you know a lot of the work that this cameraman did yeah. we tra- you know we traveled all over the world um, did a lot of really interesting uh, jobs with him and I learned um, a lot of my craft of documentary camera work or how, just how to be how to be um, engaged on a set how mm-hmm. to you know politically how to work how to you know, work with crews um, from Bob Elfstrom. Yeah. You know, working with him for a number of years. And I worked with him as long as he would have me because I, I just adored him and and his ethics and yeah. the way that he operated. And, you know, well into when I was beginning to shoot and shooting and stuff, I would I would still work with Bob whenever he, but at some point it just, we, you know, we yeah. just ran out. Yeah, and careers he, be. Yeah, I moved on and he moved on and we kind of went our separate ways, but that was very influential. And uh, what was your question? I don't know what it was, but I'm enjoying your, good. I'm enjoying your answer <laughs> so much that, it, you good. know, it doesn't I, matter. I'm, try, I'm usually pretty good at, at remembering the question, but. Well, it was more about um, being in the DC area. Yeah, DC camera you. is so, it is well known. Yeah. Um, as a state, you know, a staple in the DC area. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, even my last boss and mentor, you know, he knows, he knows you, he knows of your work. I mean, you can't yeah. really, everyone kind of knows you and knows DC camera. My question was being in the DC area, do you think you get, uh, you know, does the documentaries come to you because we're in the DC area? Yeah. You know, I think, I mean, most of my more not- notable documentary credits um, um, didn't really come from being in the DC area they mm. came from people I've met along the way and, yeah. and gotten along well with yeah um, this industry is just is is very very flaky in many ways and yeah. when you find somebody you like and that likes you and you work well together you just want it it's like you know my experience with Bob Elfstrom I mean we just we connected we connected well and then you just want to keep going yeah yeah and so a lot of my better credits have been with um with people that I've I've found we found each other along the way and um just kept going yeah you know kept working together yeah so that's usually the way it works. Whether I met them here or met them somewhere else, um, I've got you know I've got a story for every you know for every relationship or every credit. But that's kind of the way it works best. Yeah. Do you still have uh, directors and kind of crews that you you know are constantly keep up with nowadays? And yeah, or, I know, mean, at least e- even not even working, but your 
yeah you guys keep up with each other certainly yeah, yeah. I mean you've you know, it's the same same thing you find people over the years that you that you like and you like to work with and you just try to try to get them on whenever you can whenever it makes sense I mean as time goes on as you know budgets are what they are and some arenas they're they're stable or they go up and in other arenas you know they go down right um documentary is enjoying a pretty good resurgence because of you know netflix yeah. and amazon and some of these new entities are really putting you know pretty decent amounts of money into yeah into some of these arenas whereas prior to, the, to these entities showing up it was it was dying on the vine you know yeah. pbs and and um you know some of these some of these pla- you know places that relied on foundations and grants and or you know government subsidies or these you know, traditional documentary funding from years past has has really been drying up and looking sad yeah so we have this disparity of in certain rain is going up and everywhere else going down yeah so um it's uh it can be hard to um connect sometimes when there isn't you know, there isn't the money to fly out your favorite mm. sound man from wherever. Right. I mean, cameramen traditionally have been flown around. Right. Um, but a sound guy. But a sound guy or your favorite, you know, local. AC or whatever, you t- tend to get locally. Right. And that that's not new. I mean, that's been easily 10, 15 years yeah. that, that that's been the case. So, is What is your... How has it... Because you've been in the D.C. area, what has... What are the big changes that you've noticed or that you've seen or that come to mind? Uh, you talked about, you know, documentaries changed in terms of who's paying to create and fund documentaries. But from a kind of DC perspective, have there been massive changes that you've seen from the beginning of your career to now? Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, in the beginning of my career, that was a long time ago. But, I mean, you could count, you know on a couple of hands you know the the entire film business in the dc area. in the dc area mm-hmm. i mean like you know it was all film of course i mean we're talking 1976 right 1977 when i began you know and there was a you know there was a lab in town called bono films and um you know you could go in there on any given day and see half of the dc film community in the, in the office, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just really small. Yeah, um, very small, and not everybody could pick up a, a film camera. I mean, it was just very, very narrow. Yeah, yeah. You knew everybody. Yeah, literally, literally. Um, I mean, I, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to count, but you know, maybe there was there was twelve or fifteen camera guys. Wow. You know, that are that were you know, known commodities rather than, you know, somebody who came in for the French network or, or the German network sure, or whatever. Sure. But people that came and came and go, but just the guys who did most of the work, there was just a handful of them. Yeah. And um so yeah, things have changed dramatically. I mean, you know, everybody's a cameraman. Right. There's been this explosion in terms of I mean you know, I know so many people in the shop, you know, who I know Jamie's, you mm-hmm. know, uh, up and coming DP. I used him and Nathan's also, you know, he was on my set. It is, are you happy about that? Is it kind of, do you miss the kind of small community? Uh, what's your perspective on that just personally? Yeah, it's, it's very, very different. And, and, uh, 
I don't know, happy or not happy. Uh, that's I don't know. I don't know how to gauge it on that scale. It's it's very very different. And I feel uh, I feel for the guys that are having to grow up in 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 this environment. And they, I mean, they don't know any different. But right, right. There's there's so many opportunities for people growing into this this business these days. But there's also so many people doing this work. I mean, right. literally everybody can. Um, has a camera on their hip, right? And that can edit, and everybody's got their com computer that has an editing system. And from the camera on their hip and the computer and their editing system that often comes in the software, um, you can actually create, you know, decent quality material right. if you know what you're doing. And you're, um, and I just think that's incredibly powerful. But also very very scary, right? Because I mean, there's a lot of uh, need for con content these mm -hmm. days. Every everybody's website, every company needs material. Every you know person who you know doesn't have a regular job and is out there trying to sell. It's just exponentially growing the need for content, right? And the people um, servicing this industry. Yeah. So, I feel for the people that are trying to find their way, and and uh, sometimes people ask me, you know, what they should do. I was like, you know, I'm so kind of removed from today's needs. Right. I mean, I, you know, my my clients that still call me are, you know, more of a of an older old school um, kind of way of doing things, and uh, and the new school I'm just not familiar with. Sure. So, yeah. I don't know if that's the answer to your question. But. I mean, it's yeah, it's uh, it's a great perspective. It's very interesting. It's um, but that has to do with you know the content and you know how you find jobs. And I mean, I'm pretty dialed into the gear that's being used because here I am in a rental shop and in, right. and in the position of you know needing to know what to buy and sell. Yeah, and so that's an easier question to answer um, because I just watch the trends and sure know, look at. The, the data and you know listen to pe what people say and so forth and so on but but you know the how these people are getting jobs and where they're getting jobs and you know how to advise people you know where to go to find these jobs i mean that's just a whole different world yeah so you brought you brought us back around to dc camera which is how did dc camera come about yeah so um hd high definition that you know people these days don't even know what before yeah. HD was, right? Because right? literally, you know, before probably your consciousness of television. Um, uh, so I remember watching. I, 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 I'm my childhood is steeped in VHS okay. and stuff fair like enough. that. Okay, so. fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 <laughs> my I'm, sister doesn't fair. remember fair a enough. time without HD, but fair I enough. definitely do. So, um, so HD started coming into play and. Um, I had mentioned that my fa my father was a filmmaker. Well, he uh, as as his career started, you know, topping out or, mm -hmm. or winding down, and uh, it, it worked out the timing wise that he got it became very interested in, in HD mm. and the post production process of it. Oh, okay, um, he he had opened up a little editing um, post house in in DC area called Roland House and oh, um, okay. and it was based on um, component video so prior to that moment in time which was around you know late 80s early 90s 
um, video was was composite NTSC mm -hmm. and every all the all the signals were all mixed together and so you had to work very very hard to try to keep those signals um, clean mm -hmm. and the, the the least number of edits and therefore uh, degenerative passes with the video the the higher right. quality the product would be and you had to pay you know significant attention to how many passes how many edits before your material would just degrade to right. the point it'll look like crap so that so we had offline and we had online mm -hmm. and you would offline and, and get all your edit points and mm -hmm. then you would take your original material online and do as few edits as you could so it was as close to pristine as you could yeah so Anyway, this new technology came out called Betacam and Component Video. I'll try to make this short because it's a little yeah, boring. it's fascinating. <laughs> it's fascinating. You so, can ramble as much as you want on this. So Betacam came out, which kept these signals separate. It was called Component Video. Okay. And so the problem with that point in time was, okay, well, we had this way to record Component, but there was no... Um, edit systems that could keep those components separate as you took it through oh, the edit process. So my, fa my father was in, in instrumental in paving the way to edit component video Interesting. and keep the components separate through the edit process so you could do, so you could end up with a better quality product Wow! in the end. And he worked with the manufacturers to come up with a editor that was component and a and a, you know, and a keen machine that was component and yeah. a special effects generator that was component. And so he put together one of, if not really one of the first component editing systems hmm. and um, was, you know, well regarded, you know, c countrywide. People would come across the country to Washington, D.C. to get their, their material edited yeah. at this facility because they could they could keep this the integrity of this component through the edit process so that that was wow. with component and then and then and then uh, jump forward eight nine ten years when HD came out HD started they they they, they also paved the way hmm. um, in keeping and in, in, in using HD and keeping the fidelity of the HD through its edit process right so once again they were paving the way in um, in high definition component editing at a time when uh, all the support equipment wasn't really there. He was contracting with, with uh, uh, manufacturers to get some of the first, you know, component HD, the, 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 all these elements into yeah. place to be able to do HD. So, wow. so that was my father's company. And, and so I was around doing my shooting and stuff and, and they needed people to um, to be able to shoot HD because nobody had experience in doing this, so oh, I, I started you know getting my foot into the door of shooting HD pretty early on before um, because of proximity, right? Um, and you know and I you know I had pretty decent credits and it wasn't like the you know I was you know send out the kid to right. go shoot some stuff I'm gonna add some some pretty decent credentials yeah yeah um, and learn pretty early how to how to deal with HD and you know. Uh, not make it look bad yeah so you know we had all kinds of kind of tricks to not make it look bad so right. anyway i got got some experience early on shooting hd before a lot of other people and um so anyway it looked like there was an opportunity for me to kind of get 
in, you know, I mean, I did. I get, get in on ground floor, you know, doing a lot of HD shooting. I, mm -hmm. I got some experience doing it. A lot of people didn't have that experience. And so it looked like a business opportunity, too, to go out and buy a camera package. Oh, I see. Okay. And they were very expensive. Yeah. You know, I mean, the first cameras were, the very cams were about, I think, somewhere between fifty and 60000 Wow. Okay. The Sony uh, F900 was... I think it was around eighty thousand, yeah. And the lenses were about thirty thousand each, and you needed a HD monitor, which was another ten thousand. Right. Uh, I remember these numbers now. Yeah, right. you know, a lot, Many years later, but I decided to invest in a in a package: a body, two lenses, and a monitor. It was about one hundred and thirty thousand dollars altogether. Wow. And um, so I, you know. Scraped up every penny I could to to make this investment, and I was getting some amount of jobs, but um, there was still a significant amount of standard def right. work being done. I mean, that was the lion's share still of my work and of everybody else's work. So I figured I I would take this camera package that I you know invested so heavily in, and I was a little afraid uh, that right. it wasn't going to work out, and decided to you know contact all my camera cameraman buddies like me who wanted to shoot in HD and make the camera package available to them there weren't that many camera packages available in town right um, so that if they got jobs or got offers or whatever that they would have access to you know a reasonably priced package right and um, and give them th those kind of opportunities also right um, that I had and so that kind of st started working and wow. I, a small handful of guys that were coming to rent that camera when they got HD jobs. Right. And uh, so it started working well enough that all of a sudden I needed another camera <laughs> right. and a few more lenses. So it, I don't know, within about a year, I think, of beginning to rent it out, I yeah. think I had, but within about a year, I think I had two Vericams and an F900 and, wow. and, okay. and a couple of lenses, handful of lenses. And uh, so... It seemed like an obvious choice to, you know, come up with a a, a, na a name of a company, hang a shingle, and uh, and be renting this stuff out on the on the side. Uh, it certainly never intended, you know, when I first bought this camera to become a rental shop. Right. Uh, that was not part of the plan in any way. I mean, this stuff I was working it out of my house to begin with. Right. And then I needed to. Um, I needed to give access to to these guys who wanted to rent the stuff um, more easily than when I happened to be home. Right. So I made a deal with uh, a company in Arlington, Henninger Video. Yeah. To um, who's in the post production business? Also, they had some extra space. They had people there. Um, obviously, reception. Yeah. You know, not just eight hours, but it's a post house, <laughs> so they often have reception there for I don't know up to twelve hours a day because right. people are coming and going from early in the morning until into the evening. So, I worked out a deal with them that I could you know leave gear with their reception. You know, a couple of cases, a tripod, a camera, whatever, and so people could come and pick it up whenever you know they had reception. And or drop it off, right? And they had a little space behind reception, like a little closet that they could put the things in. And um, so we made this little this deal. Um, they had a little closet for me in the back. I think it started out as around I don't know, it was two hundred square feet or something. I mean, it was very very small, literally a closet yeah. where I would keep my stuff. 
and I would put these little packages together, you know, sometimes in the middle of the night or, you know, whenever between jobs. Right. And I'd go and put them up front and people would come and get them and drop them back off again. And that started working out pretty well also. And they had a technical guy who took care of their, you know, post facility, uh, Mike Provenzano, great guy, um, who knew enough about cameras and tripods and lenses that if I couldn't make it there for some reason, he, he could, put, the he could put a little kit together or gotcha. something. And so I would, you know, give them a little extra uh, beyond the rent and beyond, you know, to get this support. Right. And they liked having me there because I, uh, uh, you know, I could, you know, we didn't, we didn't, um, uh, you know, intersect in any way. We supported each other. People needing to shoot stuff would eventually need to be edited. And right, right. They didn't have cameras to rent per se, so we really kind of cross-fertilized their needs with mine. So they liked, I think they liked supporting me, and and so I got I got a little extra, um, you know, out of their out of their staff. Sure. Um, and sometimes the people who rented cameras would end up doing their post work there right so it really worked worked out pretty well I was there for seven years and uh, went from a little closet to a little bigger closet to at some point I don't know five years in you know I needed more space and an office across the hall opened up and so we you know took down a wall and I, I ended up with I think I started at about 200 feet and I ended up with around I don't know, 350 feet. I mean, it was still yeah. very, very small. It was extremely efficient. Bigger closet. A bigger closet. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was floor to ceiling. Yeah. Um, shelves. Equipment. And equipment <laughs> and, you know, custom, you know, design stuff so I could stuff, you know, lots of things into a small space. Yeah. But at the end of the seven years, I was, re- I was really bursting at the seams there and needing to figure out what was next. And like I said, I never really thought that I wanted to be a big rental house. In fact, I really liked, you know, being a little small operation that um, was very lean, Mm -hmm. very lean. I mean, it was me, you know, doing most of the work. And then I would, you know, towards the end there, uh, at the end of that seven years, I would hire um, freelancers like ACs who would come in and help me when, you know, when I couldn't be there or just became too much. Um, to do and so we just hired them freelancers and they'd come in you know have their own key or whatever or come in you know through the front door during business hours right and uh, help out so it was it was very lean very efficient was this um, was this like early 2000s or okay so um, I bought that first camera in 2004 okay all right and then um, eventually when we moved here was 2012 so gotcha yeah okay it was seven almost eight years in the closet in arlington going back to i've got more questions about dc camera but um going back to a career as a cinematographer what as a you know you talked about like not the landscape is new especially for young kind of cinematographers but what were some key times and lessons for you in your career that you now or going like man if I so good that I learned that then that it informed your career now mm-hmm. you talk about uh, Bob Elf Elfstrom Elfstrom yeah. but yeah, that, what were being on those sets besides him being a key mentor it sounds like what were 
you know, lessons from those sets that you really picked up on that served you well throughout your career moving forward as a cinematographer. Yeah. And they, I mean, it can be technical stuff. It can be po political stuff, you know, yeah, all those things. Business um, stuff. <clears throat> I don't have any ready answers, so I, you know, I'll just start rambling. But um, Bob Elstrom, I mean, he's, I just learned so much about just, you know, how to, how to focus on on the job in front of you and and there's there's so many ways to be distracted yeah on us on a set of any kind you know there's so much going on right and and i think i learned learned from him just to you know f f find the ball and wa <laughs> watch the ball you right. know he, here i'm here to do a job yeah i'm not here to you know talk up this person or you know um uh, manage the crew in some, you know, odd way, like yeah. you know, being you know power hungry. I mean, there's so many ways to be distracted and go off in weird ways. Right. But I learned pretty early on to just focus on what needs to get done that day and my role in it. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of that was from Bob. Um, okay, you know, what, what, give me an idea of what the day looks like so I can gauge myself. Right. Now, you know, from that, it's like, okay, where, where are we going to start? What's this scene? You know, where do we need to start in this scene? I mean, there's a, there's a way to progress from, you know, from the big picture back down to your first steps. Yeah. And that's what I learned. It's like, okay, what's the big picture? What, are, what do we need to achieve today? What do we need to achieve in this location? How long do we have in this location? Um, you know, what are the, where are the big shots mm -hmm. and what, when do I want to do the big shots and where do we want to start? It's like, gotcha. progress yourself back. And then, you know, one thing at a time. Meanwhile, you got to get your, you know, your crew together and get them, you know, give them some sort of indication how to set up, you know, where, as somebody famously once said, you know, you know, where I put the truck is my first decision to <laughs> right. of the day. And if I don't put it in the right place, it's going to screw the rest of the day. I think, right. that, I think that was, um. One of the big Hollywood directors, but you know it's kind of like that. Yeah, I and mean, you got to figure out right away. You know, working backwards, working from backwards way. from you know from where to put the truck and where to set your stuff up that you'll never see it while you're in this location. Because <laughs> if, if you make the wrong choice, it's like you know you're just going to be behind right all, the rest of the day. So just focus, focus, focus. Be smart. You know, work back from the big picture down to the first shot, and getting that first shot something I learned you know early on you just want to you know you want to get it yeah quickly right because that'll set the pace for the rest of the day even if you even if it's not right right you know, just you know get that crew working towards a goal you know even if production thinks that they don't want to shoot till you know an hour after they arrived you know be ready in 35 minutes right and you know bring the director around and say you know here's the shot you know I'm, I'm roughed in with the light you know let's go yeah let's go 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 and um that's something i learned early on and i and to this day i i try to get ahead of schedule mm. and get that shot off really quickly Interesting. Um, what um what do you see having so much experience um and going through so many changes because we talked about the hd change you talk about shooting on film where now you know there's too many digital cameras to even, you know, um, we're just inundated with all that. What are some new things 
that you think are good and are bad mm. for the for the new up and coming DP cinematographer to think about? What are some things that newer DPs, I guess, don't think about? Yeah. Because one, one thing, and I'll give you an example. One thing, I, I did darkroom photography and, uh, you know, loved it. Part of why I loved it, though, was the appreciation it gave you for all the digital things. And, oh, I understand why this is labeled this way. It's a film thing, but now it makes more sense, even in the digital realm. Um, are there things that come to mind like that? Yeah, I think... Uh The good, what's good today is that they're just so you know there's so many tools that work really well, right? Um, and they're and they've become you know fairly inexpensive. Mm -hmm. um, and this is what I what I was saying earlier. You, you know, you might be surprised by some of my my answers about about the gear and about the rental rental house being a rental house owner. I mean, the gear is very powerful. Yeah, you know, and and it doesn't have to be expensive. Yeah, and I think on the negative side, we we get so wrapped up in some of these things. I was just having a conversation with somebody yesterday about lenses, and you know, there's so many lenses out there, and we get we get really wrapped up in you know, CA, <laughs> right? Uh, chromatic aberrations, um, you know, breathing, and you know, flares, and. Yeah, flares and, is a big one, and we all have such you know huge opinions about them, right? To that, you know, uh, um, that uh, make us you know spend lot you know lots and lots of money, or to or, or to covet you know this lens and and that lens, or this camera or that camera, and and you know th th you know you're right. I mean, they are right. I mean, you if you look at these these tests you know you see that ca you know right. with this lens and it's a little more, more than that lens and you see the breathing and it's like but my god you watch a film and if anybody sees one little bit of ca they're watching that film man that film has got a real problem right right yeah. <laughs> or a, bre a lens that breathes a little bit i mean i can't i can't remember the last film that i watched that i went oh geez look at that focus pull right yeah you know so i think we get a little too wrapped up in this stuff yeah you know i mean if you're doing a film that's got a lot of flaring you know that's one of your goals then okay you know then let's check out the character the flare characteristic right. you know let's choose one that we like all right i'll buy that but the rest of the stuff we get caught up in i think is a little is a little too much mm. um you know give me a decent camera and a, you know decent lens and a focal length that that works for my story right um i i try not to get too wrapped up in the right just go out and shoot the damn thing yeah it, it, i i propose that we should put <laughs> our energy and focus and time and and into things that will make a, a difference in the film right <laughs> the, the content <laughs> or get it done or to get it done or you know that you know the composition or, or you know get good you know find better sets or good you know right. lighting equipment that'll that are you know will support what the way you want to light it i mean that's just so much more valuable than yeah. whether this lens has a little ca around you know a bright spot sure and um so i, I just think we've you know, it's fun to talk talk shop, you know, right. and look at these tests. I'm, I mean, I enjoy looking at them, but 
don't know. <laughs> it could be a lot of uh, want, oh want, want God, at yeah. the end of it. I just think we should we should spend more time, you know, making good films and less, a little less time. Yeah. You know, yammering on about um, this, you know, lens that breathes a little bit. Sure. Well, first off, is there anything uh, you kind of want to talk about yourself in terms of stuff that's going on with you, projects that you're excited about, or or what's going on at DC Camera? Yeah, I, one of the things we've, we've been focusing on on DC, DC Camera um, more recently is, is, is just community development. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, work, you know, workshops and, you know, reaching out to, you know, make this more of a hub. You know, yeah. it's something we've, we've, you know, talked about doing for years. Yeah. And uh, really as long as, you know, once I moved in here uh, in 2012, you know, we've, we, you know, me and, 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 you know, Marietta and the various, you know, people who've been here along the way, it's, that's been the talk. That's yeah. been the want. That's been the desire, and and we've done some amount of it along the way. But um, I'm focusing more and more on on that now mm -hmm. um, because I think it's important. Yeah. I think it's important for the community. I think it's important for the company. I think it's you know the people you know will uh, gravitate towards it. Right. Um, the relationships that we uh, you know forge yeah um, with the community I think it's important and that's we're putting a lot of energy and focus on and on that now so on that note and it's so nice to hear you say that um, you know I'm I HMD is the, is an indie company we do indie mm -hmm. films we do indie shorts and stuff like that and you talk about liking to be on those indie or smaller budget narrative sets yep. what do you think um, could kind of get that going more in the DC area or do you see examples of that a lot of examples of that now because I don't I don't I'm not aware of it but the podcast itself is about making trying to let everyone know about DC camera and the other opportunities in the area to foster that conversation because I find that a lot of people don't know what's going on outside of a 20 mile radius of themselves there's a lot but they don't know what's going on what do you think um how do you think you could, we could foster kind of that indie, smaller budget films going on in the DC area? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we we literally just did um, this week um, was through the Women in Film program. With yeah. um, they have a program to to promote young filmmakers, and so they had a had a a. Uh, a program where they 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 brought forth uh, and we and we partnered with them to um, offer up some equipment to their young filmmakers mm -hmm. who you know they, they want they wanted to promote and give them access. Uh, so we literally awarded um, a, a grant to, yeah, and cool. it was supposed to be for one one filmmaker and and they brought us three to choose from 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 the women in film. Uh, from their program to ch choose which one to grant, you know, uh, an equipment package for their for their project. Yeah. And we looked at the three of them, and they were all, you know, they were all very worthy, and we had a hard time choosing one, so we decided to to grant to to all three of them. Oh, so great. this was just awarded literally a couple of days ago. So you know, three young filmmakers that came up through the Women in Film 
organization um, and made you know proposals for for grants we've now awarded to so there's you know there's there's something going on and, yeah. and that's you know the kind of thing that we want to do more of um, you know how to bring these things around into the hub you know we're open to the conversation and, and having these conversations but that's the kind of thing we want to do we want to hear from people we want to hear you know what what they want to see in you know from us in this hub you know yeah. what kind of workshops and seminars and you know we're examining every cor any cor every corner of the industry to come up with mm. with ideas for you know bringing people together and and uh, creating this community this hub yeah that's awesome I that's really that, exciting hope, hope that answers your it does <laughs> i'm excited to hear um because you know i've got kind of a charge that i gave myself with the podcast specifically with the dc area talking about this stuff but it's kind of nice to, <laughs> yeah. to hear other people kind of feel the same thing about like there's something kind of going on and the community kind of wants i felt it at mason um when i was going there because it was very heavily documentary focused and then I was lucky enough to be part of a generation of, you know, young filmmakers that said, like, I'm not interested in, in you know, documentaries. I want to do narrative stuff. And it was really fun because we were all on each other's sets. We all referenced the same things, you know, and wanted to do the same things. And it's nice to know that that kind of, in some way, kind of went into the outer community, too. You yeah. Know, has been. Yeah. And I, I've, I've certainly been affected by Mason. I mean, I've got... Seems like nothing but Mason employees yeah. <laughs> here, and they're great. I mean, they they really, I've watched them all, you know, look after one another. And guys yeah. like you, you come to the door, and everybody knows everybody, and they all work on, like you say, they work on each other's sets, and yeah. and um, it's a nice thing to watch. I mean, that's that's clearly uh, a, a community. Yeah, you know, yeah, the, very the kids much. that come out of that school, and you know, they overlap in the years that they're there, and so there's, it's kind of a big. It's a big overlap, right? Over a number of years, where these guys all know know each other and look after one another, and and um, it's it's nice. It's a nice thing to see. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's you know we're we're trying to do a similar thing here, and and we're looking for you know ideas about how to how to promote that more. I mean, we've uh, got something going with Henninger just recently. They they reached out and wanted to do some tests. I, you know? I heard about it. Yeah, from <laughs> I Eric, was talking right? to Eric about yeah, a Kodak, it. Yeah, a Kodak test. It's like, you know, it's like, yeah, we want to do that. Yeah. Um, let's, you know, let's come up with a game plan and, and move forward. It's still kind of in early stages of, uh, uh, you know, of an idea right. that is yet to take the next step, but we're, we're talking about it. So, Ersh, um, you wanted to go into talking about documentary because a lot of your credits and a lot of your work especially recently has been in documentary and you have a long long history with that what do you can you talk about that yeah i mean one of the, one of the questions you asked had to do with um you know what wh wh why uh you know why i would get out of the, the feature uh, business and and come back and yeah or maybe you didn't ask that question yeah i asked a, a, a similar question i think it more had to do with like is DC, DC is DC and DC is known as for the politics and the news and documentary is kind of a, you know, I don't know, a, an outstretch of that. Um, so, and a lot of the work is documentary around here. Yeah. Um, or, or information related in correct. general, which sometimes is formed into documentaries, sometimes is formed into 
you know, news-like pieces or associations or right. uh, p politicals. We do all kinds yeah. of politicals in this area, and, and I do a lot of political work, actually, which is, has been a big part of what I do here in yeah. Washington, D.C., and that's something that, um, you know, is, is, is uh, a, a big part of uh, what we do and, and is D.C.-centric, and, yeah. and, I mean, every political season I get right. sucked into it, and, and I've got a handful of good political clients and have done a lot of political work over the years because, right. you know, because they're all located here, even though the work is sometimes in other cities and, yeah. you know, often in, uh, you know, in the home states or home cities. Um, this is where it's produced out of. So right. I've done a lot of political work that goes back to the beginning of, of you know, my career. Yeah. I mean, I worked on, on stuff with Ronald Reagan. And, oh, my God. And, you know, since then I've worked with, you know, every president we've had in some way or another, not necessarily political commercials. It could be other things, ads or, sure. you know, just interviews for some reason That's or another. That's incredible. Yeah, except for the current sitting one. He's I've never done anything with him, but... I've worked with every other president in you know many 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 different campaigns over over the years. Yeah, um, both sides of the yeah both sides of the equation. I that's that's interesting and it, that's rare. If I'm am I incorrect about that? Um, I, I've gotten word that kind of one side or the other tends to favor. They find a post house that kind of goes with them, and then they stick with them. Yeah, it's it can be that way. Certainly, the you know the political consultants can't flip sides i mean they have they have to be <laughs> red or blue centric um as a as a technician as a cameraman um i haven't found that that i needed to to just be true to one color gotcha. um i've i've gone through waves where it's you know one season it's you know it's a lot of red and then the next season it's a lot of blue and with political work it's kind of like you get on a you know you get on a train that le leaves the station at the beginning of the season you know with a couple of clients right. and um and you kind of you're on that train for the for the ride for mm. the season and and uh sometimes you can jump off and flip flavors i mean i remember you know a couple of of uh, presidentials where i was working both sides of the equation hmm. and it's you got to keep your you know you, you can't talk about what you did last week right yeah. <laughs> you got to be careful about what you say to because uh, people might you know might get a little overly sensitive to that but and rightfully so yeah you know, sure I certainly understand it so you got to be careful about what you say to who when you're on a political campaign and right. at least you know remember what color you're working for anyway right. and you know if you can you can slam the other side if if, if uh, you find it appropriate but yeah you can get all um, your yeah get all the bad stuff out on one side <laughs> and then get all the bad stuff out on the other side <laughs> exactly but I mean I'm not that that two-faced I mean I some I have my own you know I've got my own flavor my own yeah. color but um, anyway, it's it's a big part of what we do around here, and a big yes. part of what I have done here in Washington D.C. over the years. A lot of politics, and and it um, you know it's interesting work. I don't mind doing it. I mean, it's more it it's a little bit of all kinds of work. Mm -hmm. um, it, it often it has a documentary feel where you're following candidates around and they're kissing the babies and shaking the hands, and you got to have a you know documentary sense about you. Right. And then you know the next setup, you'll you know they're doing a, a big you know commercial like setup where uh, you know they're doing a piece to camera and it's got to you know it's got to look perfect. And, yeah. And yeah. you're you know they've found a location and you've got a big truck you know with a crew of people and makeup people and you know props and the whole thing. Right. You know 
doing doing everything like you're on a like you're on a big dramatic set. So I like that about politics. It's a little yeah. it's a little bit of everything. Um, often these political consultants, you know, they're not filmmakers per se. They're they're image makers. You right. know, they they know all about the politics and you know what to say and how to say it, but. They're not necessarily filmmakers, and so yeah, I end, I feel like I end up being a bridge between you know their world and and my world. I've got yeah. to bring them bring them in and kind of help you know help them understand you know what it what it takes to create what it is that they w- want to create because they may not know. Right, you know? you're a film consultant. Yeah, like so they are a sometimes. political consultant. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes, uh, that you know, the more they've been around, the more they understand and. Uh, but it's not uncommon that some of these political operatives, you know, maybe not the main guy who's been around, but some of the other, you know, are people around them may not fully understand hmm. how this process works. And you might be engaged with them for a lot of the setup, you know, right, the secondary right. guys or the third third guys about, you know, what it is you need because they don't really know. It's right. Like, you know, so they're putting it in your hands. How, how much crew do you need? How much gear do you need? How much time do you need to set up? Yeah. Um, so there, there's often this back and forth where, you know, they're trying to teach you what they're doing, and I'm trying to teach them what I need, and, you know, somehow uh, it works out, you yeah, know, in, yeah. the, in the middle that these things happen. But it's an interesting world. It's uh, not somewhere where I'd want to, li- you know, live yeah. my life in the politics, but, you know, every couple of years I'd sort of drop in for a couple of months and do a lot, bunch of it. Um, those those spans of time seem to be getting longer and longer because really? it's, not just, it's just not just the three last three months before the... You know the uh, uh, election anymore. Now it's you know it gets extended. They're doing a lot more video for web for web right. and um, stuff like that. I don't again. I don't fully understand what they do. All you know now it's going out on Instagram and all kinds of other things. So right. um, that world has really broadened out significantly, and and I don't fully understand it. But there seems to be more more of it, more work to do. So. Yeah. So that's a good thing. It, that's a, that's another thing that um, you know we everyone in the area knows about the political season, yeah, and kind of knows what you're talking about. Where you, uh, you know New York probably knows it a little bit, but it's a um, there's so many folks in the industry that kind of live or live or die, or it's kind of a feast or famine thing, where you get a lot of work. Uh, Henninger talks, you know, when I'm talking to Eric at Henninger, they talk a lot about like you know, they're looking out at what's the next political season because they know they're just going to get slammed with work and then they got to think about what happens afterwards, you know. It drops off a cliff. Right, election, yeah. election day, it just <laughs> drops off and you got to prepare for that. And, um, you know, and that's one of the, the, the challenges of this industry in general as being a freelance technician, which is what I've done, you know, for, you know, most of my career. Uh, except for the last, you know, handful of years where I've kind of been running this more than, you know, or as much as other, doing other things, um, is, you know, what do you, what do you do with your time off? Right. You know, you can't always plan it. In fact, you can't plan it. You know, you've right. got to take the work when it comes and you got to be constructive somehow when you're not working. Right. And, and I think um, that the people who are most successful at at this business in this industry are the ones that are, you know, constructive and successful when they're not working, mm. you know, being, you know, figuring out having, having some other business is right. one, one way to do it or having really good hobbies or re- being a good family man or, 
you know, that you're not stressing that time off. Um, and that's a big challenge for the people who do what I do. Uh, is DC camera kind of that void filler? Do you, oh, from yeah. your perspective? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, you know, I've, I've had this company now for 15 years and, and, um, it has filled up all my spare time <laughs> yeah. really from the beginning. I mean, like I, I had mentioned when, you know, I first started, I had one camera. I was, you know, whenever I wasn't shooting, I was down at Henninger in that little closet right. doing something, yeah. you know? So, um, I didn't have any, I haven't had any spare time really in 15 <laughs> years. So that's good though. Uh, um, yeah. In this, uh, I mean, if you could take a vacation yeah. every now and again, yeah, once, but, or, I mean, once in a while I'd throw in a vacation, but um, not a lot of spare time. Yeah. I'm twiddling my thumbs, wondering what to do with myself. Um, which there was certainly some of that time earlier in my career where, mm. you know, you just have time off and you got to figure out what to do with it. Right. Um, and I can think of a lot of things right now I could you know, do with spare time, but I don't have much of it. Right. I haven't had much of it in a while. But yeah. But getting back to the documentary stuff, it's 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 one of the things that that when I, you know, spent a, a big portion of my earlier career heading towards doing fiction work and narrative right. stuff and movies and I kind of hit a wall at some point and realized that 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 wasn't the kind of work that I wanted to do and it had a had something to do with um, the make-believe part of it um, what do you mean by that well the, you know you have actors that are acting and you've got people from Hollywood and we talked a little bit about you know the people who, who, who you know have, have run a tough set right um, and I just found you know in the politics of the set and yeah. the, you know that it wasn't you know necessarily very creative that it was just kind of painting by numbers to some degree and I found myself wondering wondering since I can't be creative you know what you know what's in this for me other than a paycheck so when I decided to turn around and take a 180 turn and go back go back to DC go back to my roots go back to documentary if you will um, it was really to go back to be be with you know real people I mean that's yeah. that's one of the things that you know in every documentary situation you're inserting yourself into um, somebody's life mm -hmm. usually more often than not uh, somebody's story that's worthy enough to have a film crew you know right. follow them around or to tell this story can I shoot you another question? Please, yeah. Can you talk about your dad? Sure. Um, what, I'm, I'm fascinated with, um, you talk about he, he being a director and a cinematographer and then getting into the editing space with HD and all that. Has, has all of that been in DC? Is he from DC? Um, Not from, I mean, he, he, he was born in Austria, but came over and, you know, wow. okay. um, of a Jewish heritage, chased out in the war, um, but he was, 14, I think, when he came over with his parents and joined the army and and got on a photography unit and so became a photographer and then then into film and and um, has been a fixture here in D.C. from you know as long as I've been around. But yeah, he, he they had a um, they had a, a studio down in Georgetown called Rodell R O D E L. So it was okay. Roland and and Dell Anchors. They had a a studio they did commercials they did early Jim Henson Muppet stuff they did all kinds of wow. all kinds of you know things back in the in the day in these studios um, so he's he, he's got a you know a decent a decent history doing you know all kinds of different work he did movies and 
also political work and documentaries. Yeah, I uh, did a lot of he did a lot of early TV stuff. Um, I say early uh, in like eighties. Did a lot of TV shows that needed um, like magazine style. That became a thing in the eighties. Magazine style TV shows. What do you mean by uh, that? I don't know that term. Not not like dramatic uh, narrative TV shows. But oh, okay. Like. Um, or some of the shows like, uh, um, you know, that's incredible was one oh, of the okay. ones. Or um, I don't know, there were two or three sh programs like that okay. that were magazine style. So every week they'd have like an hour program. With it within that hour program, there'd be like three magazine style segments of that's incredible, and they'd go. You know, tr we'd travel around the, the country and come up. You know, somebody'd find all these little stories that were incredible. Yeah. And you'd build a little documentary that would play on television and, you know, 17 you know, and a half minutes, you know, yeah. between commercials or whatever. So, uh, like mini doc. Like little mini documentaries. Gotcha. Yeah. So, that became a big thing in the 80s. There were a lot of little um, magazine style quasi documentaries. And, you know, we did a bunch of those. And those get broadcasts? Yeah, th it would be where? like, it would be like um, a network network okay. television uh, like I say like an hour of commercials television would break down into three segments that's incredible incredible animals um, we did another series with Rod Surly and I can't remember what it was from from uh, you just uh, said the like <laughs> you have no idea how big a Twilight Zone I'm like, oh yeah my God. No, I thought that was one of the best programs ever but we did something with Rod, some series with Rod Serling. I can't remember what the heck that was. You just was. opened up a whole other podcast episode <laughs> that we're going to have to do because I'm going to have to ask you all about that. Yeah, no, we, oh I, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a bunch. It was. It was. I don't know. A handful of stand-ups for them. I can't remember what the program was. I'd have to look it up on the internet. It was so long ago. But that's nuts. But my dad was. You know, he was definitely a big deal here in D.C. and and um, you know brought me into the business and I uh, AC'd and lit you know, for him for a number of years. And then he let me start shooting for him. That was my first shooting experience. And, yeah. um, you know, I got to shoot stuff for him. And then, it, you know, after a couple of years, I started, you know, branching out, had to find, you know, I had to get away from More dad, yeah, you know, right. and he, you know, he didn't work that much. He couldn't keep me, um, employed, know, the, employed entire the entire time. So I, yeah, I had to find, find new blood. So, you know, after a year or two, I, I started working more with other people and, and, uh, he had to find somebody else to right. work with them. So, Interesting. How was, what was that? Uh, uh, my dad is like nowhere near the film anything. Right. So what was working with your dad like? It, it wasn't, it wasn't tough. Um, we, we got along pretty well. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't all, you know, anti-dad or anything like that. Yeah. It was pretty easy to get, you know, easy to get along with and, and uh, would do what he's, you know, do what he asked and, and do it happily. I mean, I was a very willing participant and, yeah. um, and uh, an easy learn, learn learner, um, so you know we got along well. And what was uh, what was his name again? Fritz. Fritz. Yeah. Roland. Fritz Roland. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Cool. And how long would you say his career kind of went on? Started from when went till I mean you said he went till the early two thousands, right? Yeah. Am I correct about that? Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, right around two thousand one was when they shut the doors on Roland Allison and, and and he went into retirement. So, gosh, uh, mid late fifties. Mid. That's an incredible amount of time. Yeah. Just knowing all the different changes that would have happened in the yeah. industry. That's yeah, an yeah. enormously. 
Plus, towards the end of his career, he got into this very heavy technical editing, you know, component video and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. HD. I mean, you know, that took a lot of energy and um, creative, you know, process and um, you know, out there trying to trying to pave the way in a, yeah. you know, I mean, his his world was wasn't super technical. It was much more creative as a, right. as a director and a cameraman, and this was you know incredibly. Uh, technical. That's fascinating. And he was able to kind of shift his brain into yeah, another in mode to some to some degree. So. That's nuts. Just thinking about all the change. I mean, I'm sure in 50 years there's going to be massive amounts of change. Oh, yeah, but thinking about can't from the imagine. 50s to early 2000s, I mean, that's a crazy amount of technical changes and yeah. all of that. So yeah. Well, um, Erich, thank you so much for coming on. This has been. Uh, you don't know, but I've been looking forward to this interview for like two years. Um, well, I hope I hope you got enough stories out of me. And, and oh, uh, this will be a great one. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there? What's the easiest way um, for people to contact DC Camera? Well, through you know through the front door of DC Camera, you know, call, uh, email, you know, Facebook, yeah, um, Instagram, you know, the, all the usual channels. Cool. Um, we're here. We want to help. Um, we want you know we want to hear your ideas of uh, ways to create this community, this hub, or just, you know, gear that we should carry. Yeah. Um, all of the above. Or if you got, you know, special project you, you know, need some help with, come and, come and sit down and talk. Cool. That's great to hear. Hey guys, just want to remind you that not only can you find the Full Frame Podcast on HMD's website, www.hmdfilms.com, but you can find us on Facebook, and most importantly, you can find us on iTunes, where we would really like if you could leave a review and subscribe. Thanks. Have a great week.